You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What is going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings. Um, You know, we're in a little bit of a lull in the summer. NBA has just ended. NFL is around the corner. If you're doing the baseball grind, respect. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, you may notice my co-host, Steve Buchanan, nowhere to be seen. It is just I, Julian Edlow, but we bring in a special guest today. Jeff Sheesby, you can find him on Twitter. You probably know him on Twitter, at Old Man Who Bets. He is, as you may know, recently a DraftKings content creator. So look, here we are creating some DraftKings content. And you can also find his work at the Action Network as a featured expert. Jeff, welcome into the Unreasonable Odds Pod, man. Julian, great day for a great day, my man. Thanks for having me on. It is a great day for a great day. So let's help ourselves and help some others uh hopefully make a little bit of coin but before we get there um as we usually do with first time guests we are going to play a little game of know you better um so we, we we like to start on on high notes um this doesn't need to be i don't need to know any numbers any amounts this doesn't even have to be the bet that won you the most money Um, but, or it doesn't have to be the bet with, with the highest plus odds. You can interpret this as you will, your favorite win of your sports betting career. Gosh, you know, I like to think that every win is my favorite win until we (laughs) hit the next one, one, right? Bet by bet, we're building here, trying to build a a house full of of gold bricks. Um, but a good question, man. You know, I think two, well, two wins that stick out to me in, in the recent, you know, calendar year, um, you know, I hit uh, Georgetown, I think it was plus 150 versus Marquette money line, and then rode him again the next day, plus 260 over Villanova, where they had that epic 72-71 win. And, yep. you know, I got lucky. My roommate went to Seton Hall, so I watched more Big East basketball than most. Seton Hall was getting racked by their, you know, their big guys. They were playing good ball, good guards, good defense. So I was able to, I think, find that hot streak on Georgetown before anybody else did. And, you know, the Twitter fans were like, really? You're taking Moneyline versus Villanova? They were like a 10-point dog. And I was like, we I really are. I remember I had the points, but respect. Yeah. You know, fortune favors the brave on that front. So uh, we let it ride and, and we hit there. And then I ended up fading them. And, and uh, I think there was a game maybe in between those where I mistakenly faded, but I came back for the, uh, the Big East finals and, and, and hit it. So that always feels good. You know, a big plus underdog uh, winner, which not something I do all that often. You know, I try to stay on just spreads at minus 110 or if we're playing baseball, nothing, you know, generally larger than minus 150. Uh, so that always felt good, man. That was a good one. 
All right, makes sense. Now I got to take you down uh, down the opposite end of, of the road, one that none of us love to talk about. But I, full disclosure, you know, we exchanged some notes before the show, and um, I happen to be on one of your all-time worst beats, which uh, makes it twice as bad. Your all-time worst beats, sir. Which one stands out to you the most? Yeah, Julian, I'll take you back to January 11th, 2020, an absolute bloodbath of a day mm. for me. Um, I pulled it up in Action Network and, uh, you know, it unlocked a piece of my brain that I think I had, had blacked out. But a nice one in seven day, minus 6.09 units. That was one in five on college basketball, 0 and 2 on NFL. Just really brought my A game that day. But if the losing wasn't enough, the way that we lost this one was, was just uncanny. This is Syracuse Deuces UVA. Uh, I had the under at 114 and a half. The game was a disgusting effort of offense. Uh, both teams shot there under 33%. Uh, and obviously it went over. The final score was 63-55, uh, going over by three and a half points. But that for sure does not tell the entire story here. The final score in regulation was 43-all. 43-43. points. Yeah, that's a 28-point cushion that we had for for this under so even went to overtime i was like whatever right like we're good you know of course overtime is the place where both underdogs and unders go to die but i said all good it's five minutes not a worry in the world next thing you know buddy boheim he has five points in regulation nine points in a five minute overtime including a deep this one was the one really stung it was in a shot clock expiring fadeaway three-pointer that went off the bank and at that point i was like I mean, I'm done, <laughs> but you know, you think about it, right. They, the final score in overtime here was 20 to 12 uh, UVA and, and Cuse only scored nine or Cuse only scored 19 points in the second half. So then to come out and score 20, 20 in five minutes of overtime. is just absolutely brutal. They hit seven, three pointers in that five minute time frame. There was only 12, 12, three pointers hit in the 40 minutes of play. And then to top it off, we were still trending. Okay. Coming into the final minute. Cuse had blown it open. UVA was shooting terrible. And then the, these teams go off and score 12 points in the final 60 seconds uh, to bust it. So I was already a little tilted, obviously, with a mediocre day. And then the one that I thought was a sure win with a 28-point cushion uh, couldn't come home for me. So the gambling gods, the profit gods, I had somehow disrespected them, I, apparently. Uh, so I you know, said my prayers, had a nice little sacrifice that evening, and I think they, they, they bounced back ultimately. But it was uh, that one for sure stung, man. Yep. We've heard some bad ones on this show. I've brought up some of my bad ones on, on this show. Um, and I forgot about that until you sent it to me. And then I was reading it and I was like, oh yeah, I bet that under pretty big and was just calling it a win at, at halftime. It was a win. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, when it went to overtime, I was like, it's still going to win. Um, mm -hmm. We just can't go to double overtime. I remember I forgot about that stat you brought up though. Cuse had 19 points in the second half and 20 points in the five minute overtime. Yeah, just blasphemous, honestly. I mean, that one left me shock and awe for sure. And uh, you know, Syracuse honestly for me is one of those teams that I feel like I bet wrong every time. They play that funky zone and like teams that I think will ball against it don't and think teams that I think will tank against it ball. So uh, I've put Cuse on the short blacklist, at least for the coming into next season but i think they're eventually getting rid of uh boheim right and uh so who knows it might be a new ball game maybe i could start betting on cues again yep i'll give you real quick one of my one of my worst bad beats of all time is college basketball a college basketball void that mm -hmm. will live with me forever um 
2020 college hoops uh, DraftKings Sportsbook offered some really cool markets, including to be a one seed, to be any mm-hmm. of the one four one seeds. When it came out, I thought some stuff was mispriced. I, I made a pretty big bet on Kansas plus 250 to mm-hmm. be one of those four number one seeds. As the season progressed, as we were getting into the week before March Madness, Kansas was going to be the number one overall seed in the tournament. The odds when they closed on DraftKings Sportsbook were minus 2,000 for Kansas to get a one seed. And you know what happened in 2020. We didn't get a March Madness. We didn't get a bracket. COVID hit. Void the bet. Refund me of a no-brainer plus 250 winner. Um, I've never been more mad to just get my money back. Right. Yeah, break even. Not even a loss. But, I mean, talk about closing line value, right? That thing's over at minus 2,000. I mean, probably the best closing line value I've ever got. Yeah, but of course it doesn't happen. I remember that season as well. I had uh, well, I go to the Big East tournament every year. I'm here in New York City, and uh, yeah, I had St. John's first half in game, so I was able to cash the first half because they played the first half. That bet went through, and then everything else was there from void. So I was one and zero on college basketball postseason, undefeated. My whale play, a- best better in the world. You already know. <laughs> Can't go better than one and zero. Yeah, um, exactly. All right. So when you are getting into into bets, um, I know you're a big numbers guy. What are some of your this can be for any any sports, whatever. What are your what are some of your favorite trends or numbers that you're looking to back? And what are some numbers that kind of jump out to you that are some of the biggest red flags, I guess, in, in your sports betting? Sure, man. Definitely differs by sport. You know, football, I ride the Football Outsiders DDOA metrics, which is an efficiency stat, essentially taking away, uh, you know, overall output on the, on the field, what actually happens, what should, looking at offensive, defensive efficiency, and then trying to map what a, you know, what a line in my head should be. You know, I don't have any sp- specific statistical models there outside of kind of the eye test. Um, but I generally drive that to figure out if like, a team is overvalued, undervalued. I'd say baseball is definitely where I'm stat heavy the most. Um, I look at a combination of uh, weighted on base percentage, isolated power, fielding independent of pitching, um, and just kind of triggering out you know positive or negative regression stats, mainly around pitchers, um, and then try to find kind of where the value is there. But you know, I think kind of the process is the same. I give a quick ocular pat down of of the overall board, try to figure out you know what kind of fishy lines are looking, and then always just kind of ask the why. I think that why is ever changing. You know, you never know who's undervalued, undervalued, or overvalued based on Vegas. But um, those quote trap lines, some people say they don't exist. I think that's just a great great spot to go a little bit deeper and, and try to uncover a trend that that is hitting. Um, I think. In terms of like sweeping trends, you know, I think MLB was really interesting last year. Uh, obviously, didn't translate as much into this year, but with teams playing like 13 games in 14 days, bullpens more often than not were wildly depleted, and we were seeing more single and double A pitchers than we ever have. So I was able to crush the second half of the shortened season last year, but just by essentially hammering overs, even if your starter was throwing zero runs through five innings, it was almost guaranteed that the bullpens were going to allow like four to six runs cumulatively. So that was a wildly profitable pivot. Um, and then the, this year, I think we kind of saw the opposite with baseball, right? All of a sudden people have stick them or whatever on their hands. Pitchers are at an all time best and unders were crushing it. Uh, so baseball has been kind of wildly inconsistent, especially then halfway through, right? We're looking at the, removing the sticky stuff. That was essentially like going back for today one for me, all the data that we already had on these pitchers was, kind of null and void, void for, for individuals who are losing spin rates. So um, baseball, I think first half of the year, I kind of took my foot off the gas just to try to figure out where these pitchers are actually landing and what their actual numbers should be. 
And I think now that we've had about a month and a half of that, I'm re-emerging into the baseball world, hopefully to absolutely crush it in the second half. I was going to say, we're in the second half, so it's your time, your time to shine now, and you will be giving us an MLB play later in this show. So hopefully, you know, as your Big East tournament, hopefully you can leave the Unreasonable Odds podcast a perfect 1-0. and That would um, be nice. And just be the best better of all time. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Um, all right, last, last one here. Just general overall advice for, you know, sports betting is really taken off, obviously um so many new betters getting involved with so many states now becoming legal your best advice for for new sports betters obviously we have you know everybody says you know the bankroll management don't bet more mm -hmm. than you can afford to afford to lose and whatnot but you know in getting into it i guess your 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 number one thing if you're going to leave people with one thing getting into sports betting yeah i mean i think bankroll management for sure is is number one um but everybody says that. So number two, I would think something to the tune of understanding that this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is long and strong. You know, the best bettors in the world are only generating what four five, six percent ROI. They're winning at 55%. So uh, individuals who are touting 80% win rates are probably either on the heater of a lifetime or faking their numbers. Um, so I think take it as one bet at a time, avoid parlays uh to the death anything more than a two team parlay is generally a losing proposition in terms of actual overall odds that the books are giving you um so you know what i always try to say is just bet by bet we build one unit at a time uh, we'll take our losses we'll we'll keep our heads straight like emotional intelligence and, and kind of just keeping calm during uh wins and losses is huge so you don't chase uh, on, on either side and again that always just rolls back to, to bankroll management so stick to your guns one unit at a time uh, make sure those units are stuff that you're willing to lose uh, because you have to pay rent at the end of the day and losing that to, to some sports bets. I like to think of them as more short-term high volatility investments, uh, but nonetheless, just like you wouldn't blow your bankroll on a you know small cap biotech pharma uh, company with a phase two clinical trial, probably shouldn't also then blow that on a second quarter bet in the NBA finals. Fair enough. And that transitions us nicely right into the nba finals um we'll tie a quick bow here on nba season we're gonna have like three months off from the nba the off seasons are different every off season now um just because of the COVID interruption and going into the bubble and now the nba will kind of get back on schedule um nba draft is a week from us recording this uh thursday july 22nd um, so on Thursday, July 29th will be the NBA draft quick plug unreasonable odds next week. We will have Jeff Goodman on the podcast, breaking down some NBA draft stuff. Um, I will have an NBA draft props, best bet article up on the DraftKings playbook. Um, so our last little drop of NBA action, um, until October, really, other than diving into futures, this was uh transparency. Here's the thing that's, that's big for uh, I guess new betters, making sure that you're transparent, making sure the people that you follow and tail and, and bet with are transparent. I'll be transparent. This was my worst NBA postseason ever um, since I've started publicly releasing plays and uh, you know writing articles and whatnot. Nothing was as it seemed. Everybody got injured. Uh, the Suns could have fallen out in the first round if Anthony Davis doesn't get injured. The Bucks could have gotten knocked out by the nets if kevin durant wore smaller shoes it was a crazy postseason not my favorite one there were some highs but there were more lows nets to win the east was one of my biggest nba bets 
um, that I've ever made, but just in the end to, to, for the NBA season, impossible as a basketball fan, not to be happy for Giannis. Um, in my opinion, um, I was on the Suns to win game one and to win the series double result to get that price mm-hmm. down to a minus one ten. felt pretty good about it up to O as many things in this NBA postseason were, didn't work out for me. Um, but that game from Giannis, that was a, a legacy game from Giannis um, in game six, one of the best clinchers I, I've ever seen. Um, so happy for the Bucks. happy to take some time off from NBA outside of the draft and, and we'll be ready to get back into it. I think the regular season is so much better to bet than the postseason because mm-hmm. I like betting player props and nothing is more crazy than load management in the NBA and just sneaking in a quick prop when whatever, just the classic ones. Kawhi Leonard ruled out right before tip. Give me some Paul George overs. I'm not smart. I'm just getting a bet in very quick that is mis- now mispriced because of that news. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm ready to tie a bow on NBA before we, before we get to some real stuff, some real bets. Um, any thoughts on the NBA season that, that you want to want to share? Yeah, man. I mean, I love that quote, you know, you're not smart, you're opportunistic, you know, that's half the fight, you know, timing it well and, and, and being aware of that. And of course, I'm sure you're selling yourself short a little bit on the intelligence, but neither nope, here nor I don't there. know anything. I could not pick a winner <laughs> for my life, a side. I cannot pick a side for my life in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the playoffs are tough, though, man. You know, I mean, across all sports, right? Those are the sharpest lines with the most bets. Um, and, you know, Vegas is, is bringing it. They've got a whole, you know, what, 82-game season behind them updated and to be making these lines off of. Um, you know, I thought the basketball season in general was amazing this year. It's more parity than we've had in a decade. The first finals that we haven't had that included Steph or LeBron in, in literally 10 years, uh, which was great. Of course, Giannis with a 50 bomb to, to close us out here. If it was 49 or 51, it wouldn't have been as good of a Chick-fil-A order. So I think he missed that free throw on purpose. Um, But, you know, candidly, I'm here in New York. I'm a huge Knicks fan. I was at game two, the only playoff game we've won in a decade. Uh, Of course, we celebrated a little too hard afterwards. We got a lot of flack for it. But, man, were we pumped. So um, I'm excited for the parody. I'm hoping Dame Lillard comes our way. Uh, I think we're plus 200 on him hitting. I'm I'm not sure where that line exists, but I saw it somewhere on social media. So uh, the best odds, of course, what does that mean? It's all speculation. But – um, and I'm also grateful, honestly, for, for the Olympic basketball coming up, you know, we, we, of course don't have the NBA for the while, but we will have more pretty high quality hoops. Team USA hasn't looked particularly strong by any means. Uh, I think they dropped from, it was like a minus 1000 favorites, like minus 300 to win the gold. So, yeah. uh, you know, never love laying that much juice, but in terms of being opportunistic, if there was a buy low on team USA, you'd think that it's right now. Um, so it could be some value on that, but. Nonetheless, great season, uh, a profitable season, which was huge. I did player pops for the first half of the season. I was up about 15 or so units, uh, just one unit at a time, obviously a grind. And then, uh, honestly, I didn't bet really at all for the second half of the season. I thought that the, the pops I was betting were the lines were tightening up. It was becoming more of a coin flip. So baseball was starting, took a little time off from betting. You know, at the end of the day, you need to be arrested in recovery. Have a little load management, just like these NBA players. Um, but nonetheless, a great season. Can't wait for next. I'm very ready for three months of load management of me betting basketball. Um, but like you said, the player props, that's, that's where it's at for, for me when it comes to NBA. Um, and one of the things that I learned this season down the stretch is like you said, once that data comes in, the numbers are harder and harder to bet. Um, so making those opportunistic player props in certain spots, generally when injury news is involved, um, is something that I'm going to, that I've told myself I'm going to do more of next, next year. Don't, I I don't need to bet 
whatever big Lakers box game. I don't need to bet Lakers minus three and a half and my favorite prop. I'll just put two mm-hmm. units on my favorite prop and uh, be a little bit smarter with my money. So that's something that I'm trying to do uh, to better myself next season. Um, but we're tying a bow on, on basketball and we're moving on to a little bit of baseball right now. Baseball is a grind. Um, as I've said on a few different platforms, this is my, this is my sixth year at DraftKings. This is my first summer not covering the MLB in terms of having mm-hmm. some articles, um, or anything of that sort. So I'm kind of, you know, I did a lot of basketball NBA ran later, which played a role in that. And football's right around the corner. So I'm pumped doing some some NFL and college football futures type of stuff, prepping for week ones. And we're going to close out the show with football. Um, but for MLB, before we get into any specific plays, what are kind of the, like you said, you, you want to check out the whole board, look for some potential value. What are some of the biggest things you think this season, a weird season once again with the sticky stuff rule coming into play in the middle of the season, what are some of the biggest things that you're keeping an eye out for when you're just opening up the board and going through where some value could be on, on a baseball card? Yeah, I mean, quick ocular pat down on the board is always a juxtaposition of the line versus overall records. You know, if a team is 50 and 20 versus a team that's, what, 35 and 35, and it's minus 110 both ways, I think a lot of people look at that and say, wow, such good value on that amazing team. But Vegas doesn't give out free money that's when we go in and, and, and go a little bit deeper on the why. So Who's I kind of combo that. Yeah, exactly. Which, which scrub got called up from AAA and is pitching for the Astros against uh, the, the Royals? <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. So that's kind of where I start and pick and choose my, my spots. You know, time is finite. A lot of us don't do betting professionally. Some of us do. They've got all the time in the world to cap. But if you have a full-time job, do anything else. It's hard to go through 15 games a day uh, sometimes. So that's where I kind of pick and choose my spots. And then from there, I'll find pitcher matchups, et cetera, that I like or not like. And then we'll only whittle there. I think once I start reaching beyond that is when things start to go awry a little bit. So I try to be very disciplined on that front. And you know, I think MLB betting in general, you already said it, right? Totally a grind. I think a good perspective to think about it is with 162 games versus the NFL of 16, now 17 games. But that's essentially the equivalent of 10 MLB games is the equivalent to one football game. So if a team could lose four in a row or three in a row, call it, that's essentially only losing the first quarter of an NFL game. So it's like one of those things where these trends can happen where a team will lose three and then they'll win the next nine. Look at the Yankees. They're nine and two in their last 11 after tanking for quite some time. And now they turn it around. So I feel like you can find some of these more sustainable winning trends and kind of ride that momentum uh, over a longer sample size than you can in the NFL, right? Most people aren't betting on the first quarter because of the wild variance, but over a 10-game sample size with MLB, you can find those spots and, and pick and choose them. So that perspective, I think, is super, super helpful, especially when you do have a you know, 5-10 game losing streak as a better. It's like, I still have a 1,000 more games that I'm going to be betting this season. We're not going to lose sleep over the, over this little small sample size. Exactly. Um, all right, before we get into any plays, I guess I'll, I'll – give you the floor is there anything else um in terms of of mlb because i'm not trying to wrap my head too hard around the mlb season is there anything going on right now um that you want to talk about that you think presents value or is a trend to keep an eye on going forward or anything like that in baseball yeah man i think with the you know the declining spin rates i think these pitchers are figuring it out but it seems like where unders were were supreme the first half of the season there's a little bit more availability to overs 
Um, so, you know, I'm always looking at kind of the juxtaposition between a full game line and a first five line. Good example of what we're going to talk about in, in a second here is the Braves are minus 150 first five, minus 130 on the game. And that's like, okay, that, they like the starter, they like the bullpen less. So that's where I'd go deeper on bullpen ERA, bullpen expected fielding independent of pitching, FIP, and things along those lines to help craft that narrative. I think the lines can really help you once you understand why they are a certain way, hone in on, on what needs to be answered. And in that game like this, it's going to be the bullpen. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things that there's so many pieces of data I would encourage everybody. And I can give a quick rundown of some of the stats I look at and why they're important. Um, but baseball is a game that it does make sense statistically at the end of a season, more often than not a guy on the back of his baseball card is going to have a stat line that reflects that. So it's one of those things that you can identify where outliers exist and then fade those outliers or ride them depending on if it's a regression or, or improvement, um, which is huge with pitchers. So I always look for that juxtaposition between first five and full game, and then try to figure out kind of where the line strength is and then bet it accordingly. All right. This is the big moment at old man who bets coming on the unreasonable odds podcast, putting his reputation on the line, giving out an MLB play. This is all or nothing for your entire reputation. <laughs> One play on Thursday, January 22nd. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, you got to play for us. You're coming on Thursday, July 22nd MLB card. What do you got for us, man? Yeah, man, I'm looking at Atlanta here. Uh, Braves are again, minus 130. I like first five as well as minus 150. Um, so again, my, my strategy here, I'm always overvaluing starting pitching as a place to start. Uh, and I look at matchup data specifically before looking at their season trends. So we've got more, uh, Charlie Morton on the mound versus Matt Moore tonight, uh, in terms of pitching, uh, plate appearances in terms of the matchup, both of these are pretty statistically significant. Matt Moore has 63 plate appearances, uh, against this brave team and Morton has 153. So that makes me feel good. That gives me more confidence in the data that it is actually representing an output that we can trust. So I start with weighted on base percentage from dailybaseballdata.com. Uh, weighted on base percentage is a pretty simple concept here. Not all hits are created equal. Um, a batting average assumes that they are. So it helps quantify whether or not this individual, these pitchers are giving up more extra base hits, more home runs, et cetera. Uh, so league average is at 320. Anything over that means that they're underperforming. Anything under that means that they're overperforming. And what we see right off the bat is uh, Charlie Morton at 302, just better than league average. Matt Moore at 346, a decent size, you know, 25 points worse than league average. So right there, already a lean towards the Braves. Uh, looking at expected uh, weighted on base percentage from baseball savant, we see an even larger delta there. Uh, Charlie Morton at 270 versus Matt Moore at 386. So that would indicate that Morton's actually been underperforming uh, against this Phillies lineup and Moore has been slightly overperforming. So again, another stat we love if we're back in the Braves. Uh, moving right along here, I know this is data heavy, but this is the process. This is how we find our picks. <laughs> Next up, I'm looking at isolated power or ISO. Uh, ISO is a measure of a hitter's raw power and essentially tells you how often they hit uh, extra base hits. So with weighted on base percentage can give a pretty nice uh, picture of, of how these players uh, perform. Uh, league average is about 140 on this. And same thing with pitchers, right? Anything above that means they give up a lot of home runs, a lot of doubles, whatever it might be. Anything below that very good. So here we're looking at uh, Charlie Morton at 0 0.095, well below the league average, meaning he's limiting how many extra base hits he's giving. And our guy, Matt Moore, he's at 231. Elite hitters are usually hitting an ISO of over 200. Uh, so at 231 means he's given up a lot of big hits, uh, which again, we love when the Braves are minus 130 on that stat. 
Uh, and last but not least, on the matchup side of things, we're looking at FIP, which stands for Fielding Independent of Pitching. Uh, essentially, it's measuring what a player's ERA would look like over a set amount of time if the pitcher were to have league average results on the balls in play rather than with the actual outcomes of the game. So it takes out a little of the variance, a little of the lucky hits, the errors, things along those lines. It puts out a number of based on the league average, uh, which is a good indicator of like where they should be. So here we're seeing Morton at 317, a very, very strong number. We're seeing Matt Moore here at 4.90, not inspiring in the least. So all the matchup data is heavily favoring the Braves here, which I love, uh, kind of reinforcing that, uh, that Braves uh, minus 130 bet. Does that make sense? Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly why I say that baseball is for nerds. <laughs> That's a lot of numbers right there. I need to, I need to, uh, I mean, first of all, I don't, I mean, a million, you just gave me a million numbers to favor the Braves. Braves money line is an official unreasonable odds podcast play. So I'm going to be on it. Um, but yeah, I got to introduce you to the, the rest of our guys at DraftKings, Steve Buchanan, Tim Finnegan, Gary and Thorne, um, all of our baseball nerds. They're going to love that clip. They're going to love yeah. that clip of numbers. <laughs> Good um, stuff, man. <laughs> right, we could dive into season stats as well. You know, that's like the, the first matchup, right? We want to look at matchup. Then we want to look at actual pitcher performance because matchup data, both of these guys have been pitching for more than 10 years in the league. Um, so do you want to answer 2021? All right. Fair enough. Did we, I don't, I blacked out there. Did we get into bullpens? Not yet. Not yet, oh, man. I mean, long story short here is that Morton is performing well this year. Matt Moore hasn't had a under a five ERA in the last three years and he's been on four teams. It's not good. Uh, but bullpens, both are very, very, very average. We've got Philadelphia here at 22nd in the league and Atlanta at 21st. So a bit of a wash, but uh, one stat Julian that I do think is important here is um, Matt Moore's home runs per nine or per game is at 1.75. Atlanta is number fifth in the league in terms of home runs per game. So going back to that isolated power, going back to that weighted on base percentage, Matt Moore giving up extra base hits, the Braves love extra base hits. So I think that's a, a really nice matchup there. Um, and then on the Charlie Morton side of things, um, he's been nasty on the road, a 2.83 ERA versus a 4.24 at home. Uh, and the biggest difference there has been how many home runs that he's given up. So uh, love to see that uh, as well uh, as, a, as a on the road pitcher here. All right. The only, this isn't even pushback. I guess this is just a thought. The only thing that I'm going to say here is a casual baseball better. There is nothing worse than capping the starting pitching matchup right and winning the first five, but taking the cheaper price on the game and losing the game based mm -hmm. on, I like what you're, where you're going. Like the bullpens are both just neck and neck, a little below average, uh, but I hate leaving things up to bad bullpens if the Phillies bullpen just happens to be better than the Braves bullpen tonight. But as you are also saying, this is a season long grind and playing the minus 130 mm -hmm. on the money line over the minus 150 on the first five over the course of the season um, probably works in your favor. Yeah, I think it should be all right here. And, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm going to be playing the first five minus 150 as well. Um, but okay. even looking at like run differential here, you got the Braves at plus 25, you got the Phillies at minus 11. So that's with what, about 100 games under our belt. So, you know, again, we're, we're hoping for that sample size. Um, I do think the stronger play of the two is probably the first five. You know, I think the line reflects that, obviously. Um, but because the, the bullpens are equally as tumultuous uh aj minter just got sent down after blowing like three games in three days for the braves 
Uh, so they've got some new guys taken into the eighth. I think it's Luke Johnson, I want to say, who's been pretty good. Um, so I feel like <laughs> this maybe is a hot take, but I want to say that the Braves bullpen is trending up, or at least it's trending new, uh, which I appreciate. And uh, of course, it's a it's a circus in the Phillies bullpen, and it has been for the last couple of years. And that's where those overs really come to play, not because of the starters more often than not, but because these bullpens, uh, if they throw strikes, are generally then resulting into big hits. So <laughs> always a good time for sure. All right. One more quick question on this one. So when you like you said that you're going to back the first five as well, um, but we're also giving out Braves full game money line. How do you kind of distribute units there um, when you're going same game, same side on, on mm-hmm. the first five and, and the full game? Yeah, for me, it's just going to be one unit each. I'm okay. more or less a flat better. Um, well, rarely, you know, I would say probably 98 and a half percent of my bets have been one unit. Um, and then the rest are generally below that. Some half unit plays like early season when, when the data is not there. Uh, but I don't get too crazy with my units. I'm never dropping a, you know, a five unit whale or a, a 10 unit nuclear, a nuclear play undefeated 80 and oh, none of those. So just one unit at a time, uh, you know, we'll take our medicine. If we lose, we'll grind our way to profits if we win. Uh, and again, long and strong. This is a, this is a, an investment strategy, not a get rich quick plan. I dropped a five-unit whale once on the Nets to win the East. <laughs> Always feels good, but it sounds like the rest of the season was pretty solid. So you know, you're a good regular season. Money there. It was a good regular yeah. season. We had it. We had it in the bankroll. I was supremely confident, and um, injuries took me down. And I'm sticking to that. Yeah, I mean, 100, percent especially with the Nets, man. You can look at the other ones, but and Durant's foot's not on. Now I'm here. I am complaining about my bet. Durant's foot's not on the line. You get the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals with Harden getting healthier, maybe Kyrie coming back. And mm-hmm. That one's never going to sit well with me. Okay, we're going to move on to football. Um, what, 50 days to football, I think? Is it's it 49? very close. Um, it's, it's very 49. close. We, I'm going to give out a, a college football play a little bit later, a college football future. I'll have an article for it on the DraftKings playbook. I'm getting this one out a little earlier um, than I expected to because I think it's going to move, and DraftKings has the best price by far in the industry right now. But we will get to that after. We're going to start with some some NFL um, looking towards the future. I know, I know you like a couple of division bets here. Um, this is just kind of open-ended, you know, feel free to talk about those divisions that you like. And if you got any win totals to make miss playoffs, um, the floor is yours and, and I'll get into it after. Awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, candidly, I haven't done my NFL deep dive too much. I've locked in two bets. One was with my heart and on the opportunistic side of things and the other, I was a little bit more data driven. So we'll start with the heart. I locked in the Patriots plus 350. I'm a Patriots fan. As soon as the news that we signed Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry came in, just went in and locked that. Long story short, I don't think Cam Newton was necessarily the issue. If you look at their points per play in the last year with Brady and the last year with Cam, it only moved by about 0.1 because neither of them were throwing to any names that are even worth mentioning on this podcast. It would almost be disrespectful to the podcast that they could even bring up some of those targets. Um, so I think the X factor there is going to be their defense, but I think their offense is wildly improved. It's a tough division, but that line did move about 15 minutes after locking that in. Uh, and that was on March 16th. So plus 350 there. But I do like Washington to win the NFC East here, plus 170. Uh, I locked that in on June 27th. Um, and this starts with the defense here. You know, I look at DVOA. Um, which stands for defense adjusted value over average, essentially looking at net results versus the rest of the league. 
um, just a way to kind of standardize, um, you know, the outputs of these outside of looking at like points and, 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 and things along those lines. So when we look at uh, their defensive DVOA, they were number three in the league last year, which I absolutely love two against the pass 11 versus the rush. And we look at the teams that are also in this division with that same stat, Dallas was 23rd, the Giants were 19th, and Philly was 15th. So two to 23, two to 19, two to 15, I think rather large deltas here and something that we can capitalize on, especially when they're not the favorites to win the division. Looking at the offensive side of things, um, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks coming in this league, obviously, or this division. Obviously, Dak is back. They're going to be the offense to beat. Uh, we are seeing, I think, wildly improved offenses from the other three teams. Washington was number 32 in offensive DVOA last year, uh, but they were 14th in rushing DVOA specifically. So they did run the ball pretty well, of course. Now they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, the absolute gunslinger. Um, I think that he passing had, game can only him, go man. up. That exactly. can only go up. Yeah, and they added, what, Curtis Samuel, which is good. They've got Scary Terry. They've got Chris Sims. Um, they've got a pretty good a pretty good squad there, um, which I, th I think is going to go over pretty well. And, you know, people love to hate on Fitz, but he said literally a week ago that this is the best team he's ever had as being, quote, the guy, which you appreciate. And the last three years, he has thrown 50 TDs to 33 interceptions, perhaps not elite, but certainly could be a whole lot worse. So, you know, I think the question comes here in terms of overall offense. We look at the other teams in the league. Dallas was 24th. Of course, Dak coming back is an absolute game changer. The Giants were 26. Saquon's coming back. They signed Kenny Galladay. They're going to be better as well. Can Danny Jones do it? I don't know. And then Philly was 28th. Uh, but they made some some improvements as well. We'll have Hurts in his second season. So all of those things are question marks. But I just think even when the offense is improving, I think that the Washington offense is going to be improved enough where their defense is going to be the X factor. Um, even with, you know, the, the abysmal offense that they had last year, they were the only uh, team in the division to have a positive uh, point differential, plus six. The Giants were minus 77. The Cowboys were minus 78. And the Eagles were minus 84. Some so with the class of – <laughs> Yeah, yeah, what a mediocre division front to back. But um, nonetheless, you know, I think if we can use the, the wild card game as a, as a pretty good proxy of what we should expect from Washington this year. They obviously lose to Tampa Bay Super Bowl champions by eight points with Heineke at the helm. I think Fitzpatrick is a big time upgrade there and the defense isn't going to get any worse. So uh, if they're contending with the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, I think they're going to be able to do better than simply contend with the rest of the, the rest of the NFC East. Uh, and at plus 170, it felt like a, a reasonable odds. I don't think necessarily value by any means, but I thought it was a, a good play. There we go. A lot of numbers behind Washington for the division there. I like it. I believe we're sitting at plus 200 right now on DK Sportsbook. Okay, um, even better. Love so that. There you go. Great number on Washington for the division. I didn't know you were a Pats fan, man. Where are you from? Uh, born in Greenwich, lived in Sherman, Massachusetts until I was four years old and then spent my coherent years in New Jersey. So uh, long story short, I, on paper, I'm the biggest front runner on the planet being a Patriot. It's Yankees, Rangers, Knicks fan, but the Rangers and the Knicks are trash, so uh, <laughs> it balances out. All right. I'm a, I'm a Pats fan. Pats fan myself. Um, I was a Tampa Bay fan last year. Just I'll always root for Brady, that's for sure. And, man, were they fun to watch. And they brought back, what, all 22 starters the first time ever in Super Bowl era after winning a Super Bowl? <laughs> okay, so that's a good transition. I was a Bucks fan last year because I got in on those Tampa Futures when the Brady news was creeping in, but we still had the Jameis numbers on the books. Mm -hmm. um, so over eight and a half wins, uh, 
plus 3000 Super Bowl plus 1400 or something NFC um, that worked out great they're now like plus 300 to win the the NFC mm-hmm. so not much value there but like you just said <clears throat> the first team in the salary cap era to return all 22 starters from a Super Bowl team this team uh, needed adjustments seven and five and then boom done from there um and no turn yeah with a shortened preseason right they had no time to really gel as a unit and then combo the fact that tom brady has a career cover rate of like 58 percent. i mean what's not to like profits and swagger yeah check and check so for for me um I don't, you know, you're giving, you're going to giving out some, some plus money uh, division bets there. Do you hate, and I know you just said in baseball, you know, you would go up to maybe like minus 150 with what you're laying. I'm seeing a lot of 200s out there. Drafting Sportsbook is showing it recently moved from minus 160 to minus 170, Tampa to win the NFC South. I don't hate laying that juice. I will take minus 170 on the Bucks to win that division. Sam Darnold and the Panthers aren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. is there some sharp money on atlanta over seven and a half yes but they're gonna win eight or nine games if they go over that total um and one of my other bets here i'll give you a two and one saints to miss the playoffs at minus 115 i think the drop off to winston will better coaching help him perhaps a little bit but let's remember this dude was a turnover machine in Tampa with or without Bruce Arians mm-hmm. um, coaching that offense. So ta- uh, the saints minus minus one fifteen to, to miss the playoffs. That win total is set at nine Tampa's all the way up at 12. So they have a three win edge just in terms of expected win total on, on anybody in, in the division. I don't outside of a Brady injury um, or significant injuries on both sides of the ball. I don't know how this division isn't theirs and I will lay the, the 70 cents um, with confidence that they will do so. Yeah. I think that's a great bet, man. And, you know, again, it's only juice for losers, right? You look at, uh, you know, point that point differential last year, the saints were leading the division at plus plus one forty-five. the bucks were right there at plus plus one thirty-seven. And then combo the fact, of course, that you said it, they sputtered out of the gate and they got smacked a few times, um, which obviously didn't help that point differential, but the Falcons, I don't know. I mean, they're serial underperformers. They lose Julio Jones. They were minus 18 in terms of net points last year. The Panthers were minus 52. I like Sam, New York guy, but I don't, I don't think he's going to be the X factor to, to really turn it around for them, especially after they lose, you know, Curtis Samuel, um, who was like one of the best third down players in the league last year. So I don't mind it. Minus 170 feels good to me. I think you could take that over on the win total as well. You look at Brady's years. I mean, they got 11 and five last year with zero chemistry. Uh, and it, I think what's really interesting, if you look at, um, but it was Aaron Rodgers' stats. I forget exactly what they were, but year one into year two with a new coach, new offensive coordinator, his stats with Brady in year one, almost identical. Fast forward to last year, of course, Aaron Rodgers puts up some of the best numbers of his career. Now we've got Brady in a new system year two. I think it's going to be, you know, perhaps 07 all over again. I think they're going to be, uh, just an absolute, uh, greatest show on turf, uh, Kurt Warner style. I don't know if they, they have turf down in Buffalo or in, uh, in, in Tampa Bay, but I think it's going to be uh, absolute fireworks. Um, yeah, it's hard not to like the Bucks with the starters coming back with one of the easier schedules. Um, and going back to last year, you know, two they lost the two regular season games to um, New Orleans before beating mm-hmm. them in the postseason. 
I don't think the I don't think that's going to be any worse than a split and maybe even a two and zero for Tampa this time around with the experience and with the quarterback change, whichever way it may be. I said I mentioned the Jameis turnovers, and if it's Taysom Hill, then I'm I'm just not afraid of him carving up defenses long term as a quarterback, really. So I I feel good about backing. Um, Tampa in a lot of different ways and at the same time I'm, I'm shorting New Orleans um, I guess there so before we wrap NFL and I give my college uh, win total bet and we get out of here anything else NFL that kind of jumps to you whether it's a win total whether it's a week one play whether it's something down the line that you want to uh, look at like on the DraftKings Sportsbook, Tampa Bay minus three on Sunday night football in Foxborough against the New England Patriots, which I will take my money and bet against our New England Patriots because Tom Brady is going to win that game in Foxborough because yeah, he showed last good. year how much <laughs> important he is than Bill Belichick when it comes to the Bill versus Tom thing. Um, mm-hmm. So there's my take. Tampa heavy show for me all of a sudden. I didn't know this was happening coming from me. Um, but yeah, anything else NFL related that you uh, want to bring up that you're looking at? Nothing yet, man. Uh, you know, we got another 50 days. Stay tuned. We'll have more plays. We'll have week one plays. We'll have more futures, but uh, slow and steady. And a lot can happen. We just saw Cam Akers tear his Achilles before preseason yeah. even started. So yep. uh, I don't feel the need to, to really rush all these bets, even if I'm then getting, you know, perceived lack of closing line value. Uh, I'd rather have more data under my belt and, and make a smarter bet. All right. I like it. Nice and easy. Pump the brakes a little bit. We got plenty of time to get these bets in. Um, okay. Before we get out of here, I have a college football win total that I have bet that I'm releasing an article on, um, you know, before the end of the week, probably on Thursday, July 22nd, it will be out um, on the DraftKings playbook. I thought I was going to get to this later, but um, it's been gaining a lot of steam. Um, I was on a radio show this week where, where this win total was brought up and it was brought to my attention that DraftKings had, was the only place to get the best price. We're going to the SEC. We're going to the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're going to under six wins priced at minus 110. Here's the deal with this play. First of all, I'm not even going to talk about football. I'm going to talk about pricing across the industry. Nowhere else in the industry right now is hanging a six. They're all five and a halfs. So if this is, if this does get to six where everybody else is a loser, guess what? You push it on DraftKings Sportsbook, you're going to get your money back. But we don't want to push. We want this to be a winner. We're just playing it safe with the six there. A lot, these are five and a halfs. You can find some five and a halfs under at like minus 125. So getting minus 110 on the under six is an absolute steal. Um, here we here we go. Arkansas Razorbacks football schedule. I'm bringing it up right now. There are. Let's start with the three wins because I want to you know transparency here. Let's give them their wins. Open up with Rice. That's a win. Saturday, September 18th, Georgia Southern. That'll be a win. Um, there's also a. University of Arkansas Pine Bluff on uh, the schedule. Uh, of course, those teams, those teams aren't going to beat an SEC team. That's not going to happen. Those are three wins for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Give you those. There are also five absolute losses, in my opinion, where this team that went three and seven last year that every magazine I've read has, um, you know, projected Arkansas to finish seventh last place in their division in the SEC. There's no way they're going to win these games. 
September 25th at AT&T Stadium against Texas A&M, a team whose win total is set at nine and a half, a team that some think can compete with Alabama, even though they won't. I'm a big Bama guy, but a good team in the SEC compete for a playoff spot. They're not going to get it, but they're going to be good. Lose to A&M. The next week at Georgia, no chance. You're losing that game. The next week at Ole Miss, Maybe a little bit closer, a team with a win total set at seven and a half, but Matt Corral, best quarterback in the SEC by a wide margin. Um, Ole Miss, a team that I I like a lot. Um, November at LSU, that's going to be a loss. LSU bringing back almost all their starters off of a bad team coming off the Joe Burrow 20, uh, whatever that was, undefeated team. This is a bounce back year for LSU. LSU is going to be heavily favored in that game. And then I don't even not need to talk about at Alabama on Saturday, November 20th. That's five losses. So we're at three and five. That means that they have to win all the rest of these remaining four games to go seven and five and make this bet a loser. Saturday, September 11th, Texas. That's going to be a tough game, even with a down Texas team. Saturday, October 16th, Auburn. Seven, seven and a half win total team. Tough game if they can grind that one out. Saturday, November 6th, Mississippi State. A similar team, um, win total around six, six and a half. Probably supposed to be better than, than Arkansas, but it's a game. Ending the season on a Friday night against Missouri. Win total from Missouri set at seven, projected above them in the SEC. Can they win any of those four games? Of course. They need to win all four mm-hmm. to lose this win total. This team's going six and six at best for a push, but I would be shocked if they don't land on five, maybe even four, and uh, cash this one. So we're putting it on the books. Official play, Arkansas Razorbacks football. Under six wins at minus 110 on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Lock and load, baby. Uh, I don't. I know you're not a college football, football guy, but I at least present. You're not a college yeah. football guy. I at least presented my argument well. It felt good. I think the. I mean, isolating and having to win those four games, and I was thinking the same thing, being more of a, a fan of college football than an investor. But I was like, yeah, four and zero here <laughs> doesn't seem likely by any means, especially with two coin flips. Um, so yeah, I think I think an astute analysis right there, Julian. All right, I, I appreciate that. I think the two tougher ones are early too. Like you lose that Texas and Auburn one. Now we're in mid-October mm-hmm. and we're we're feeling good about this one. So I think this yeah, one for gets sure. there. Um, all right, we just ripped through a whole lot of sports betting talk. Um, gave out plenty of of plays that hopefully hopefully work for you guys. Um, Jeff, it was awesome to have you on, man. People can find you on Twitter at Old Man Who Bets. Um, looking forward to obviously at DraftKings seeing seeing some of your content uh, come through and hopefully working together a little bit. Um, thank you for coming on the Unreasonable Odds podcast, man. Let me know if anything else that you want to share with the people before we get out of here. No, yeah, man. I appreciate the time. Great chatting. Hopefully, the first of many. Uh, and again, it's a great day for a great day. Let's let's uh, let's cash some tickets here. Boom. Let's go Braves. Let's uh, let's go Bucks. Let's go a lot of other teams. Let's not go Arkansas Razorbacks. 
Um, let's make some money here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Uh, for Julian Edlow, for my co-host that's not here today, won't be here. Next week when we do the NBA draft with Jeff Goodman, won't be here. The week after when we do college football with Bill Steele, that'd be Steve Buchanan. Um, but I'll sign off for both of us. Thank you guys for listening in to the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings. Thank you.